Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hello and welcome to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. My name is Tobias and I'm back again with Yusi. What's up? Hey, Tobias. Uh, all is good. I am here with my cup of tea. But more importantly, exciting things were happening a couple of days ago. I think I mentioned perhaps a few episodes ago that I am in the process of building a house. And on the piece of land that I now have in my position, there's an old house that was built in 1934 or so. It's a wooden house, so I'm, I'm not saving anything from that. We need to get rid of that. But before we can demolish that, we have to do a bit of uh, analysis on if there's any asbestos or anything else in there. Anyhow, we had some fairly cold temperatures in Finland a couple of days ago. So about minus 15, minus 18 in Helsinki. In Fahrenheit, I think that's close to zero. And because of this, the old pipes in this old house had some issues and nobody's living there. So, so my brother just happened to go and figured out, well, maybe I'll just shut off the main water pipes just in case. So he goes in there and on the top floor, he realizes that the, that the bathroom water pipe had burst. And nobody knew when this happened because nobody's living there. So about 10 cubic meters of, of water has been leaking from the topmost floor to the basement. And now the basement has about two meters of water, which I think is frozen. So I've got my personal ice skating rink in the basement now. But wow. thankfully, nothing needs to be saved in there. But this was exciting times for us. Yeah, glad it's not a house you're going to stay in. So then that means you can pretty much bring in the bulldozers or whatever equipment you need and just remove the old stuff and then put the new stuff in. That's that's my hope, but uh, perhaps in the next couple of days, I'll, I'll have time to go there and figure out, okay, what needs to happen next? Because there's all sorts of permits and things you have to take care of. So yeah. that's that's my exciting life here. How about for you? My exciting life is uh, starting because I'm back from parental leave. So I'm really excited to get some, some real work done again uh, in the clouds. And as an added bonus, I don't have to change too many diapers during the day when I'm working. Yeah, uh, it's been... Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of diapers and, you know, it's, it's really fun with a, with a newborn. But after a while, you realize you have to have a, a mix of family and work so you stay sane. So it's really good to be back with the heads in the clouds and getting some, some work done so I can spend more precious time in the evenings with the family. So that's pretty much it. I don't have any cool tech updates or anything like that. I'm just getting my feet on the ground after a very long, nice extended holiday leave. So yeah, back in business and back to recording episodes. Glad to have you back. And, and as I recall, uh, with each kid, I have three boys. Whenever you get to the initial diaper phase, the more kids you have, the easier it gets. But you also sort of realize that I've done this too many times. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's not have any more kids in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so today's episode is Azure Updates. So we've done this for some time now. Every now and then we take a look at what new announcements, what new interesting updates uh, have been published and, and what's worth noting what's happening in the cloud. So would you like to start with anything you have uh, on your mind? 
Yeah. So, um, like I said, I just got back in the saddle, but I did have time to wade through some of the recent announcements. Um, and one thing that I really liked is that Azure Backup now supports CMK or customer managed keys. So this is instead of the platform managed keys, which is the default, and you can store your own keys in Azure Key Vault, which is a requirement. So the encryption used for encrypting the backups can be different from the one used at the source. So if you're encrypting your data using one encryption key or the built-in or you're bringing your own key, whatever, doesn't matter. Your backup, you can then use, again, a different key if you, if you want to do that because the backup location and access might be different from the, the source location. So that's pretty cool. And the protection there is AES 256-bit DEC or data encryption keys, uh, which then in turn is protected using your keys on top of that. So the requirements for that to work is Recovery Services Vault should have access to the encryption key in Azure Key Vault, which is why the requirement is there for Azure Key Vault. And you can, of course, change these keys whenever you require. Uh, and because it's a different key here than from the original or, or source data, you can change the encryption keys of your backups without impacting anything that is on the source data, which is pretty cool. So just a small update around Azure Backup having support for customer managed keys, which is a, an added benefit in you know, modern times. We see if you go back last year and the year before, so many data exfiltration attempts, so much data leakage, so many databases leaked. And you know, if they would be encrypted, if you would have taken care of the data a bit more, perhaps that wouldn't have been a problem. So this is just another added benefit in the toolbox for anyone who wants to kind of protect the data. This is a really welcomed addition. And just as a mental note, perhaps to myself, but perhaps for the audience as well, so somebody can, can tweet to us about this in the future. We need to do an episode on all these sort of customer managed keys. How do you manage the keys then yourself? How do you generate them and how do you get them in the cloud? But definitely this is, this is something that I really enjoy seeing. On my side, public IP SKU upgrade. Uh, is now generally available. So, so there's a little bit here to unpack. So the capability that's now generally available is that if you're using public IP addresses, uh, you can ha have those as basic or standard. And if you've gone with basic initially, you can now upgrade that existing public IP, which is often a static IP address. You can now upgrade that to a standard public IP. And this also works for load balancers if you choose to use your own IPs over there. And for me, it's slightly rusty. What's the difference between a public IP SKU basic and standard? And there's a long, long list of, of the different super detailed technical things here. But in essence, the basic allows for a static or dynamic allocation method, and the standard only allows static. And the standard is secure by default, meaning there's uh, an access list and all inbound traffic is closed. The basic doesn't have this, but you can manually configure this later. So in essence, the functionality allows you to move from basic to standard public IPs if you initially went with basic and nowadays you need standard. Yeah, makes sense. So that reminds me of one thing that I thought about recently is it would be nice, although you can achieve this using ARM templates and automated deployments, it would be nice if when you create a resource in Azure, in the portal, for example, or using the CLI or whatever, you get a choice saying, how do you want to by default secure 
these resources. And there should just be an opt-in to say secure by default or block any incoming traffic. And after that, then you can kind of modify your network security groups or, or whatever you have in, in the middle to kind of open only the port that you need and only the uh, inbound, outbound rules that you want to agree on. Uh, as opposed to the way it is today, when you create something, it's everything is allowed and you can lock it down. But it would be nice also in the built-in experience to have everything is locked down and you can start opening up what you need, which might get people more into the zero trust, uh, secure by default thinking. Because we still see a lot of people I, I see on Twitter, I see in blogs, I see announcements and demos. You know, people say, you just go here to Azure, you create a resource, bam, it's securely hosted in the cloud. <laughs> but it allows all traffic on all ports and a VM that has no conditional access. There is no blocking of IP ranges, anything. You know, it's sure it might be protected by a username and password, but the traffic is not protected and there's no filter on that. So that would be just, okay, That the side note here become longer than I actually anticipated, but I think it's still a, a valid point. A request to anyone in the Azure team tuning in. And, and if, if we are open for requests, another one is, is that, as, a, as another side note before we actually get to the oh, next It's a slide. long list. We can start now. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a short one. Uh, yesterday, uh, I, I thought, well, I decided that I need to buy a little bit more of stocks on a couple of companies that I'm following. And, and I went to the marketplace that I use. I put in a little bit of money and said purchase. And just when I was doing the final confirmation, uh, I get a pop-up that says, well, there's this and this reason. That, that you're delayed 24 hours on your purchase. So come back tomorrow and we'll finalize this commitment. And I was like, well, this would be great in Azure portal. Whenever you click on delete, it would say, hold on 24 hours. Let's contemplate <laughs> on this first before we actually delete something. Yeah, you know, and that's super short side note this time. That reminds me in the Azure portal, when you delete a resource, you have to just type in yes. Yeah. Are you really sure? Yes. <laughs> That's the only thing. You don't have to verify anything else. Are you sure you want to do this? Yes. And this is built into the muscles of everyone in working in Azure. When they delete, yeah. are you sure? Yes. Oh, no, <laughs> I wasn't. And, and, and back in the day with MS-DOS, when something failed, you would get abort, which I uh, ignore. And if you're four years old, like I was at the time, I didn't know what ignore means. So I wasn't sure what to, what to press here. So it's too easy in Azure to delete, but perhaps when you delete a lot of things, it's nice that you can just do yes and it's done. Yeah, like built-in retention. So you, you delete it, but it goes into like a um, like a litigation hold kind of thing. It, yeah. It's archived for ninety days and then it's purged. But cool. Yeah. So what's what's next on the list? So the next thing on my list is a public preview of application change analysis. And I uh, blogged about this before, and I talked about it in a previous episode as well. Um, you may recall seeing the application change analysis service in the past, but the updates that they just announced are uh, a very welcome set of updates. So in the UI, it supports querying and loading uh, changes at scale. Um, and that essentially means you can filter by resource type, change the uh, detection time when a change happened, view all the changes in a single page, as opposed to getting 10 entries and then have to click next, next, next a lot. And in order to use this preview feature, uh, it is currently allocated to random subscriptions. So that's how they kind of rolled it out to uh, see if people started adopting it. It's rolled out currently as a public preview to random subscriptions. But if you want to toggle this, it is a feature flag that you can toggle yourself. And if you want to enable and try that, 
check the link that we have in the show notes for this episode. And there is explanations from Microsoft exactly how to do that in your own Azure portal. So it's essentially just go to the Azure portal, click this specific link, which just appends a query string to the URL, and that will unlock the new experience here. And just to summarize application change analysis service a little bit is when someone makes a change in an app service in production and nobody tells you about it, or a service makes a change, or there's an upgrade from the Azure backend, something happens that changes some type of configuration in your app service. It's not always easy to understand that it happened. If you're doing infrastructure as code, it might be easier because you have kind of the template and then you can compare with what's in production, but still that requires effort. With the application change analysis service, this comes built in. You can just go there and say, show me all the app services or all the VMs or whatever I have and show all the resources that have any type of changes as opposed to in the past, you saw all the resources, regardless if there was zero changes or not. Now you only can filter out, so you only see the ones with changes to kind of declutter a bit. And then you can see someone actually changed configuration values in my app service three months ago, and I don't know about it. And you can see, was that by service, by uh, a specific identity? Was it a, a user uh, in my organization, one of the admins? You know, Then you can kind of start tracking changes uh, automatically. So you don't have to build anything for this. You don't have to build your PowerShells. You don't have to kind of stay on top of it. If you use this service, the service stays on top of it. And it's your job just to go in and look at the service and say, hey, give me the, the data around this service and any changes that followed from this and, and that period. Um, and this has helped me already now because exactly my example come from an Azure app service, which is the example that I had in, in our production as well. Something had changed. I didn't know why because I didn't make any change and nobody else knew about any change, but we could see that something did change. And then we could see exactly what had changed because you get kind of the raw JSON comparison. This is what it looked like before. This is what it looks like now. And this is the comparison. And then I understood where it came from and what had changed. So I could kind of revert or follow through. Uh, so just a small tip. If you do have a, a lot of resources, the updated experience to the application change analysis service allow um, you know, insights at scale. So you get the, the insights, not for a few resources, but everything you have across subscriptions, which is pretty cool. I really like this mode that I can imagine somebody sitting in Redmond in front of this huge screen, just randomly picking different regions and getting a huge list of subscriptions. Yeah, let's enable it here, 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 and here. And let's see if they can appreciate this. So this is, this is something new. Normally I just see that, would you like to enroll? But now the random, random approach is, is probably giving interest. Yeah. In I, I don't know if it's some kind of A-B testing to see if people adopt it or if users are starting to, to make use of it or how it works. I have no idea, but you can opt in with the feature flag. Alrighty, cool. Uh, next one on my list is built-in Azure policy support for NSG flow logs is now available. So again, a lot to un unpack here. So in essence, two new built-in policies, an audit policy and a deploy if not exists policy for NSG flow logs. And again, in essence, what those are, if you have network security groups, you want to get the logs for the traffic flow that goes through those. So the IP traffic flowing through your access list, which is the NSG, and then you can now enforce that through a policy. 
So whoever deploys, let's say, a new virtual machine or something with with uh, VNets or or IP networks associated to it, you can now enforce, of course, that NSGs are being used, but also that those logs for the traffic flow from those NSGs to your resources can be captured and, and actually managed elsewhere. Nice. Also a welcome addition in times of uncertainty and security threats. Um, I like that. So I think I have only one more thing, which is a really a bundle of updates. And I've mentioned several updates around Azure Security Center before. So this is another one with uh, updates rolled out uh, up all the way back from December 2020, because I don't think we've talked about those. And a few things to make note of related to the security center that I find interesting are global admins can now grant themselves tenant level permission for specific tenants. And there's two new Azure Defender plans, Azure Defender for DNS and Azure Defender for Resource Manager, which is in preview. Uh, so if you are using Azure Defender or if you want to take a look at that, there's new a couple of new plans for that. And Azure Defender for Resource Manager looks interesting in, in a preview, but it should be available for you to try out. There's also a new security alerts page in Azure portal. So if you do have security alerts and things configured, there should be a new experience available as a preview again. Uh, so take a look at that. Updates um, like they do regularly to asset inventory tools and filters, uh, all of these things are updated. But one thing that struck my eyes because I, I keep my eye a lot on secure score, you know, not because I want cool points for something, but when this goes up and down, something has changed. And this can be a change on our side that we introduced a configuration change that kind of uh, lowered this, this score of our overall best practice setup. It could also be that Microsoft just rolled out more features, which we haven't enabled, which would then bring the score up. In this case, uh, there are some changes to secure score. So the recommendations about web apps requiring SSL certifications no longer is a part of secure score. So if that was part of your uh, score in the past, or if this is something you calculated with, this is no longer taken in, into consideration for the secure score, which might be important to understand. Some organizations I've worked with, they care deeply about the secure score because it's kind of the first thing you see. You see, where are we? Oh, we're still at this score. Good, nothing significantly dropped. And then you can kind of start your compliance and security journey from that uh, point forward. Uh, others don't use it at all. But with this information, at least you can make a decision whether or not you need to go take a look. And then the recommendations, uh, recommendations page have some new filters for environment severity and uh, available responses, which is pretty good. So just more UI enhancements really. Um, and also the continuous export from Security Center now gets new data types and improved deploy if not exist policies. And all these things kind of tie together to you know, one big chunk of security center updates that Microsoft have done in, since I think December, 2020, uh, up until now, uh, pretty much end of January, 2021. You know, these things keep rolling out. There's gonna be a lot more security center and Azure security updates coming. Uh, these were some of the ones that I noticed now for security center that I found interesting. So if any of those um, struck your attention, then go take a look. I really like that Security Center keeps getting so many updates. It's challenging at times to, to keep up to date on this, but at the same time, whenever I open ASC on, on my own tenants or with, with the customers, it's enlightening to see, okay, this is the 
this is the status, this is the situation, this is what I need to worry about, this is what's, what's taken care of. Um, one last thing on my list, a new data center region announced for Chile. So this is similar to the Denmark announcement. I think we tackled that uh, a couple of episodes ago. So the plan is for Microsoft to upskill 180,000 people as part of opening the, the data center region. Uh, but I couldn't find a solid time frame beyond by 2025. So I, I feel that often Microsoft announced that this is the plan and, and perhaps they've then budgeted for the whole building and the process, but they've also secured land, perhaps a local government approval so that the biggest blockers are taken care of. But then it takes a couple of years to actually build everything out, get the servers in there and, and do the testing and, and actually have it online. So will be interesting to see. I haven't been to the region myself. That's perhaps on my list of of places to visit in the next couple of years, but super interesting to see that they keep pushing a new region almost every month now. So, so by by that time, perhaps in twenty years, we'll have one in Finland as well. <laughs> yeah, I I really like the uh, these announcements as well. And what I like about it is all of this upskilling, or you know, so and so many new people will be involved in making this happen. And it's not not just about, initially I thought, well, how can there be hundreds of thousands of IT pros running around there, you know, pulling out the servers and putting new racks in, but that's not the case. It's, you know, the landfill, you need to get the land, you, you need to get the municipalities involved, you need to get the, the country involved, you need to get the, uh, the cities, you need to get, um, you know, all the, the manpower to set this up, to build it, ground up the planning, everything. So there's a lot of things involved to make that happen, which means a lot more work for a lot of people, which is which is good, especially you know in this day and age. It sure is. So quite a bit of updates, perhaps some of those fairly small. I, I would perhaps highlight the security center that seems to have the most updates itself. Um, super interested to see how 2021 shapes out in terms of new Azure announcements. And I think uh, we can expect a lot more in February. I think so. Alrighty. Thank you again for joining us and until next time. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.